0: Hey, babe, are you overwhelmed and burnt out by never-ending to-do lists, constantly giving your time to others, and feeling out of balance in your personal life? And are you ready to get absolute clarity on your life's purpose and activate the best version of you? Then it's time to ignite that inner fire and rediscover the fierce, confident woman you are born to be. Welcome to The Beam Life. Where myself and other guests empower you to take steps toward the life you want so you can truly be everything and more. I'm Caitlin, your empowerment coach, new bestie, and lover of all things leopard print. It's time to get this party started, y'all. Hey, babe. I'm so happy to be here with you. Welcome to the Beam Life Podcast. I am your host, Caitlin, and today I have a really super fabulous guest for you. Her name is Crystal Hakobo, and we met when we were on stage at the Empower Her event in Arizona this past October. I was instantly captivated by Crystal's story and her tenacity And desire and passion to truly help women become more, which as you know, BEAM stands for Be Everything and More. So I feel that we are just true, you know, sisterhood. We have a sisterhood in the sense that we have a mission to really, really help women. By using our own unique gifts, and Crystal's gift is soul embodiment, true deep, deep, deep self-love, and using breathwork to tap into that. To tell you a little bit about Crystal, she is a former school teacher who traded in school curriculum for soul curriculum. She works with entrepreneurs and leaders all over the world to help them connect to the core of who they are and embody their soul's power. She is the founder of She Is Made For More, an organization that hosts community memberships, events, and retreats. Crystal is also the founder of The Soul Breath of Academy, a six-month trauma and breathwork certification program designed to help coaches bring this work to more communities. She believes who and what we become in life and business is directly correlated to the subconscious soul programming we've all received through our childhood. Her curriculum infuses soul work, breath work, gives individuals the tools to connect to who they are and what is true for them from who they grew up to be a way to connect to the truest version of themselves and let them lead life and business unapologetically. Please help me welcome our incredible guest this week, Crystal Hakobo. Hey girl, how's it going? Hello, hello. I'm super pumped to be on here with you. Me too, me too. I know we've been trying to coordinate this for a little bit since, you know, meeting each other on stage at Empower Her. And I'm just feeling really grateful that today was the day we're in February, the month of love and abundance. So I know we're good. You're just, you are just all around that vibe of abundance and gratitude. So we are just going to drop some, some bombs on this audience today. I'm looking forward to it. Let's do it, girl. Let's do it. So, you know, I read a little bit about your bio in the intro, but I'd love for you to share like what season are you in right now? What are you up to and how did you get to be this incredible embodiment coach, breathwork coach and just all around human that you are today?
1: Oh, what season am I in life? So right now <laughs> It feels like I'm in the season where, you know, where you pray for something so bad and it finally gets here and then you kind of take a moment and realize like, I'm here. This is the season where I'm at. We are, we have our foundation, which is called She's Made For More, that empowers all women to step into discovering their more. We have events, we have retreats, we have community memberships, we have pop-up workshops. It's just this ever, it's evolved into this beautiful evolution of women coming together, finding their more and connected with each other and empowering each other to go ahead and go after their more. So that's the season that we're in right now. And it feels where life just feels so connected. The most connected I've ever been to life. I feel like I'm exactly where I meant
0: to be, but that's where we're at right now. That's so beautiful. I, um, That's like, I think when I think of a wish for someone, it's like, I hope for everyone to arrive at the place of realizing like, wow, everything I have been doing and wishing and dreaming and working for is like coming together before my eyes. And that just gave me goosebumps to think about because, you know, in this busy world that we live in, we can often just buzz right by that. Right. Because yeah. Yeah. A lot of us, we get to that point, right? We get here, we work for something, whether it's a certain level in the job or how, you know, growing a family or certain place financially or in entrepreneurship, but we're going so fast. We don't stop to think about like, holy shit, we're here. Like we've arrived. We've, we're like, you know, we've still got places we want to go, but we have like kind of in a way, like made this kind of work. Yeah. yeah,
1: And being present above all, like what I'm realizing in the season that I'm at in life right now is I am so present. Mm -hmm. So, so present little moments with family. I'm in a season where I'm cherishing everything. And I'm also realizing I get to be here. I get to be present. I get to allow all this beauty to be in my life, but I also get to find my more too. Yes. Like yes. just because I'm here doesn't mean I limit myself here. I still get to discover more, which is a big thing of where I was before when I was teaching and I used to be a school teacher. I had that big feeling of, I can't want more because if I do, I'm giving up on myself. Mm. I'm quitting. I'm being a quitter. And that was my big thing. I'm If I quit teaching, I'm quitting. I'm quitting. And yeah. I've, I've worked so hard to quit, to just give it all up, to start over. I can't quit on myself. And here the the big shift is like, I am allowed to be present. I'm allowed to have, I'm allowed to have life look this good and feel this good, more importantly than everything, feel so good and still want more. And it doesn't take away from anything.
0: Yes. You know, that's what BEAM stands for is be everything and more. And I think that that is totally on brand with what this community feels. And even for new listeners who are coming in and, feel guilty for wanting more because that is such a thing. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, in your case, which I would love for you to elaborate a little more on, you know, you're this teacher that has worked so hard to get that degree, to get to that level. And most people, you know, you're getting told well, why can't you just be grateful for where you're at? Yeah. Why can't you just be happy for what you have? What you have is amazing. Like you have a secure job, you have a great family and, you know, from where you came from all these things. Right. And we start then like we get in our heads like, well, maybe they're right. Maybe I do need to be grateful. And it's silly of me. Like what if what I want, what if this more doesn't work out or what if, what if I'm being selfish? So Fill the listeners in, you know, part of when we were on stage, you shared this part of your story and I was just, I felt so connected to it because I understand in my own way, what it's like to feel like you desire that path, but everything else is telling you that maybe that, you know, you shouldn't do that or that it's greedy or selfish. So tell listeners a little bit about your experience with that.
1: Yeah. So for everybody who's new um, or, you know, I used to be a school teacher and I have ADHD and I grew up, Spanish is my first language. And I realized that I think in Spanish, I write in Spanish. Like Spanish is my go-to language. Well, when you're taking all those exams to become a teacher, they're all in English, like proficient English. And I was taking these tests and I didn't pass them. And I was like, oh no, my parents are going to be disappointed. I've worked so hard. And every test you take is about $400 to take. So there's about 12 tests like total that you have to take. There's the C SET, the CBAS, the RE- there's so many tests. And I passed, I, I took it again. And here's what had happened. All, me and my friends had all planned to take this test together. They all took it. We had gone to a party the night before in full transparency. And my friend was, he's like, I'm still kind of drunk, but I'm still going to go. It'll be fine. I'll take it. <laughs> he went and he took it. This guy passed the test. Wow. Here I am. Here I am fully studying hours and hours and hours. And I still didn't pass the test. So I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, I it's so harsh. I can't read. I can't read my Spanish. My biggest thing right now is Spanish is my first language, not English. So I kept going and taking the multiple, multiple times, taking these tests and about five times in, I end up passing them. Then I'm at a point in my life where I'm about to hit six years of teaching. Mm. And, and, And now I'm six years in and I'm realizing that the best way that I can put this is somebody else was living my life, but it wasn't me. Like I was watching this girl wake up every day at 4.30 in the morning, go to the gym, work out, come home, play with her dog, shower, make that 30-minute drive to work, get there early. Every single day was on repeat. And I started getting so afraid of this is what my life's going to be for the next 35 years.
0: That is good. Yeah.
1: And I had this feeling, Caitlin, and I couldn't shake it off, but I, but then the, the background side of me was like, Crystal, you grew up in a tiny little trailer with about 14 adults. You d- have in your life, you've never had any single thing in your life. And now you're here, you have a career, you have a roof over your head. At that point, I had just bought at my house, which is a four bedroom house, three car garage. Like I was driving, I'm still driving my BMW, but I had yeah. just bought my BMW and on the From the outside, life looked super good. This girl has her career. She has her house. Like Life is good. But I couldn't shake off this feeling of this is exactly what my life's going to be there for, for the next 35 years. And I don't know if I'm ready. Mm. I don't know if I want this anymore. But how do you tell the people that absolutely love you, that have encouraged you, that have put all their energy into, this is my daughter. This is a first-generation high school graduate, first-generation college graduate, first-generation with a career, like an actual title. How do I tell them, hey, I think I made a mistake? Because at that point, I thought I had made a mistake. I was like, what if I wasn't even meant to be a teacher? What if this wasn't even meant to be my career? But I was in this moment of realizing, I think I made a mistake, and I, I think I want something else. But it's going to be selfish. What's going to happen. It, I felt so stuck.
0: Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. I, I know that, you know, women, wherever they're listening right now, whether they're like doing their chores or doing their drive or getting their walk-in, they're just like shaking their head. Like, yes, I see you sis. Like I see you because, you know, I think that's often at least for me as, as a coach, and I'm sure you have a similar experience most often when women are coming and they feel so, some I'm stuck, I'm stuck. Yeah. And there's the, there's I'm stuck. And then I feel like, I know I don't want what I have. I'm really scared to admit what I want. Yeah. And then I feel guilty about it because yes. I am responsible either for a family or finances, or, you know, in your case, I love that you're so open and honest about it because that's a very real thing where a lot of times we take the responsibility for like the identity that everyone else has given us. Yeah. Right. Like in your case, your family was so proud of you as they should be right. For having this career and for, you know, graduating high school, graduating college. And like you said, providing for yourself in this really big, amazing way. And that is just something that can feel crushing, Yeah, crushing. So, you know, we could probably spend six hours talking about yeah. all of this, but how did you sort of then what was like the big thing that helped you make that shift and say like, okay, I've been watching this girl. I don't even like feel like it's me. I know that I might disappoint some people. I, nothing is even guaranteed on this other side, but what helped you make that jump? You know, in full transparency,
1: when I was going through this season, I was also engaged by the way I was engaged. There was invitations out for my wedding and I felt so trapped and I had to come to the point of realizing I have to choose me and at that point it was just out of desperation Mm. I was before I made that decision I was starting to get anxiety before I dreaded going to bed because at right before I would go to bed all the thoughts would come to my head and I was destroying myself and I didn't know that at the time I was like, it's okay. Everybody battles anxiety and it's not a big deal. I'll just push through and then I'll go to sleep and then the next day. So I when I got tired, I remember I was thinking sitting in bed and saying, I can't do this anymore. I feel like I I can't live this life. And I remember I called my fiance at the time and I said, Hey, I need to see you. I remember with tears in my eyes and everything, I called off our wedding. Mm. I asked him like, hey, I'm not going to marry you i took that time away from him to realize well who am i and that, that was my excuse of like hey i'm going to push this guy away finally be with myself for a little bit and see maybe i'll figure it out i still kept teaching for a little longer shortly after maybe about a year and a half out i ended up meet i met this other guy and he was like so attentive everything so i fell i fell for this guy i welcomed this guy into my life the difference was that because I felt so broken inside, anything this guy would say or do or yell at me or anything, I took it to heart. I was like, he's right. Sure. I'm, not, I'm nobody. I'm, I couldn't make this guy happy. I can't make my parents happy. I can't make myself happy. This is my last chance at proving to me that I'm worthy, that I can make somebody else happy. So I was going through what I look back at now, like the hardest time of my life with this new human. Yeah. And, and I was getting so in so many senses, like so disrespected, but I was willing to take everything because it was like the last way to prove to myself that I was worth anything. I remember there was this moment where this human had gone, we had said some things and he had said, he yelled in my face, I like, crystal, you don't get it. He said, you, I'm never going to want you. Mm. And I remember when he yelled that, I fell to after he slammed the door and he left my house and I fell to my knees and I prayed to God. I was like, God, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. Where, what is my purpose? And I remember, and I'm probably getting emotional talking about this, but I remember the tears coming down my face and saying, why did you bring me here? Like, I don't want to be here anymore. I'm done. What is my point? What am I going to do? And I remember I just cried and I cried and I cried. And at that point, I had the realization of, you can't do this with anybody else, Crystal. You have to do it alone. And at this point, I didn't know about coaches. I didn't know about this space. I was like, you just have to do it alone. And I remember I decided to get up. I started working out. I started going through back to teaching. But I knew this was going to be my last year of teaching. Yeah. I, I just felt it. And I finally got the courage. I put in my resignation letter. And I remember my principals like why you were your teacher of the year you everybody loves you the kids of where are you going where, where it's going to happen. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. But I'm willing uh-huh. I said, but I'm willing to find out I said I I'm young enough and I, this was my thought back then like I'm young enough to where. I'll figure it out. Yeah. Every single up until this point, I figured it out. I'm the first college graduate the first. My parents don't speak English like I've always had to figure it out. I've had a find a way to do it so I remember thinking I'm gonna figure it out but if I stay here I'm gonna end up married to a guy that I don't want to be with I'm gonna end up hurting my kids in the process down the road and I remember all these things of feeling crystal you can't you just have to leave
0: yeah yeah oh girl I'm like I feel you. I got tears welled up in my eyes too. Cause I think that in those really hard seasons, no matter, you know, God universe, whatever it may be, when you think about it, you're like, why, what is the purpose of this pain? Why am I like here? Why do I feel so low? Why do I feel so alone? What is the purpose of this? And, you know, Honestly, that's when I feel like we're at a crossroads, right? Like Mm -hmm. we can go continuing on the road that we're on and numb ourselves with alcohol or toxic situations, um, or you, we can do like what you did. It's like, I don't, I don't really know where I'm going or what the plan is, but I know that I can't stay here. like. I know that this is not an option. And so I commend you for taking, for taking that step. It's very brave and it's very inspiring to see other women make that choice because I am such a huge believer that when we see someone else, you know, I was always taught like jealousy was something that my grandfather always was like taught us a lot about jealousy and never to see like someone else's situation to be like jealous for, see a situation as opportunity. yeah. And I think that when we see another woman or person do what you did, I see opportunity. I see, wow, that's, I can do that too. And you know what? Like I can figure it out. Like I have the tools. I am a, you know, I can figure this out. And I think using that mantra is really powerful. So thank you for for sharing that. And then fast forward today, how many years ago was that probably, would you say?
1: I decided to leave teaching
0: in 2019. Okay. And did so I it's... make did I make it up? Cause I feel like you share you you're now with your husband now is the man you called the engagement off with originally, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was like, yeah. I hope that's the story. I was like, I'm not making this up. So full circle, yeah. let's fill, fill listeners in, right? Full circle. You come back around to this situation. You've obviously did some immense deep healing work. And mm-hmm. now you're this soul embodiment, breath work mentor. What does that mean? And why did you decide to go? There's a lot of routes we can go, right? As coaches. Yeah. And so what what drove you there? And like what does soul embodiment really mean? So when I was going
1: through this journey, I realized I felt horrible back then. I started numbing myself with the relationships and alcohol and all the things and parties. And I remember I didn't want to go home. Like that was the last place I wanted to be. When I was with this in this journey, I ended up leaving teaching and I pulled up my retirement account at that time and I was like, well, I have X amount of money to figure out my next step mm. And with that money, I hired my very first no I attended my very first event and then I hired my very first coach and then from there I did an embodiment retreat. I did a healing retreat and I there's this guy that I work with that I always say is like this guy completely destroyed my life in the most beautiful way possible.
0: <laughs> I love those people.
1: He just just tore my identity apart. He asked me like, who are you? And I was like, oh, well, I'm this. And he goes, no, who are you? And Mm. over and over and over. And there was about 50 people in the room and he just kept attacking me. And I finally broke down. And in the middle of 50 people, I said, I don't know. I don't know. And I said it with so much anger. And he said, congratulations. He's like, because this is where now your life is going to change. He said, Mm -hmm. I know you don't know, but you have this front of being the tough one, being the older daughter, being the one that you have to have figured everything out. He's like, right now in this moment, figure yourself out by allowing yourself to say, hey, I don't know who I am. I don't know who I've been, but I'm willing to discover who I'm going to become. And he just destroyed my life in the most beautiful way possible. And moving forward, I have a master's in building curriculum because my bigger mission in life was I'm going to build curriculum for school districts in literature And as I was going through my journey, I was keeping these documents, these journals. I was every single time I was at a retreat, at a lesson with a coach, I would go back and write like a full lesson plan. This is what happened. This was the objective. And this was just me the way that I was making my notes. Fast forward, I just—I was going to run out of money. I remember like fully transparent. I was going to run out of money. And I was like, hey, Crystal, I think we're going to put together our very first four week program. And I took all the lessons I had learned. I took all the curriculum that I was jotting down in these journals. And I put a four-week program and I put it out there. And I said, hey, if you've ever felt stuck, if you've ever felt like you don't know where you're going, if you've ever wondered, like, who am I? I said, I want to help you. And I put together that very first four-week program and it sold to about 12 people. Mm. 12 people bought it. And I had that feeling of, I think I could do this, but something powerful (laughs) happened when we did our first call. Seeing everybody's breakthrough, seeing everybody connected, the very last call we had, women were crying on the calls, saying how grateful, how this four week program had just shifted their perspective Mm. made me feel so fulfilled. Like I finally have purpose. I remember feeling that, and that led into I spent a few, I spent, um, a few months, almost like a year and a half, building out the certification program, which is our coaching certification program now, where women get to learn how to do this work as well. We built the retreats, we built the events from that momentum of realizing there's so many women in this world who feel like I once did. Yeah, And maybe I'm the one that's meant to help them rediscover themselves too.
0: Mm. And that started everything for me. I love it. And I love that you, you say soul embodiment, because when I break that down in my terms, it's like a deep, the deepest form of self-love, right? So how does like breath work play into this? Cause I know that is a part of your certification and program, right? Yeah. Breath work. So how does this breath work and soul embodiment like help you when it comes to personal growth and like taking these steps that you're talking about
1: yeah so soul embodiment is truly like the three layers of a human that we put in our certification program it's who the top layer is who you learn to be mm. you're this person this is who we are This is our you just learn even if you're not trying to you just learn by default then there's the person that we are with our friends with people that we're close to like the ones that know us a little bit more you know that person that like oh well, my parents don't know that this is how i am but your friends yeah. do and yes. then there's that person in your soul who is afraid of certain things, who does it, who stands for certain things, but they're kept away so deep because my parents wouldn't approve or my friends, or that's not cool. So there's the three layers of essentially of a human that I like to say, yeah. but the last one is your soul. When you can get all the way into your soul and you can find out what is true for you, what is not, what is really part of your identity, what has been built in your, into your identity, you can identify who am I at the core. Mm-hmm. That's what soul embodiment is identifying who am I at the core, what do I stand for, what do I believe in, and move from that place. Breathwork, work, what it does, breath work is a tool that helps us dive deep into the soul essence of who we are, because a lot of people do meditation, and you can do meditations and get to this, get to some, get to some depth. But what will happen is if you have ADHD like me, you're trying to meditate. Yeah, you're trying to meditate. Now I'm wondering why it's raining. What's this mic going on? I wonder what this guy was wearing when he was recording this meditation. And I'm like 10 minutes in, like fully not paying attention. But with breath work, you're so engaged in the breath patterns. You're fully breathing and noticing. am I doing this right? Breathing in and out. Eventually, what you'll do is you'll pass your pillar of the mind and you'll go into your embodied pillar where your body just drops into almost like a trance and you're so focused in the breath that it allows you to get super deep. When you're in that deep state, you're able to answer questions that are a lot harder for you because mm. your your body is so open to receiving, okay, is this mine or is this somebody else's? Mm-hmm. And it that fully is... helps you
0: heal. Ah, uh, that is so good. I absolutely love that question. Does this you know, is this mine? Does this belong to me? Or is this something that was put on me or that I'm assuming is mine? Right. Because, uh, I I mean, even I do this for a living and I get tripped up on the very same thing. You know, I see other women in the space putting on live events or doing this certification program or, you know, putting out this 90 day, whatever. And I'm like, should I be doing that? Should I be doing that? Should I be doing that? And I have to stop myself and sit and say, Caitlin, do you really, like, is this what you really want? Or do you just want it because you feel like that's what's going to make you Mm -hmm. or show you as successful or like well-rounded or, you know, your business is X and that, if we don't pause, if we're not present enough, aware enough and like conscious and have people around us enough to encourage us to do that man, we can get so tripped up, so tripped up and end up right back where we wanted to leave the first place, you know? Yeah. So I love that you, with your breath work, do you encourage your um, clients and community to, you know, have breath work throughout their day? Or is it specific to like do breath work in the morning and do it or do it before you, you know, go into your journaling? What is kind of your philosophy on breath work? There's so many. So for me personally,
1: I always tell people I am not somebody who will do breath work every single day. Mm. I know there's people that are like, do it every day. I I don't. I tend to do it on the days where I I do it twice a week for sure. I pick Monday, Wednesday, like whatever day I feel like that's the way I want to honor my body, I do it. When the days where I'm feeling overwhelmed because I've realized like I'm a human being with emotions and life happens and it has its ups and downs. When I'm feeling like that, I know that I have breath work and I come into my little cave in my office and I'll like lay on the floor and I'll do some breath work. And in a few minutes, I feel so connected to me. Mm. And I always tell people breath work is your tool. You yes. use it when you want. You use it in the card. We have uh, cards that we created for our clients that they're little breathwork sessions patterns and they have um uh, specific phrases in the back they keep in their car, they keep in their desk. When you're at work overwhelmed, you do this pattern and you bounce back.
0: Yes. Breathwork is uh, your tool. I start every one of my one-on-one sessions or group-led sessions with a short breathwork sequence. And, you know, I'm always just so amazed how taking 3 minutes, 5 minutes, whatever it is of something we all have access to, which is yeah. our breath and air. It's free. It's literally yeah. free. Yeah. And it is a game changer. I agree with you. It's one of the most powerful tools that we have access to that no one can gatekeep. Like someone can't keep you from breath work. It doesn't, you don't have to have a certain amount of money. You don't have to have a certain amount of status. You don't have to know people to get in the door. Like it's here. Like you can access it. Yeah. You can access it. Uh, I love that so much. So, um, I, I, you were going on and you were talking about how you have cards and sort of mantras. Yeah. But for women who are listening and aren't necessarily in your community, what are some ways that they can incorporate breath work or deep soul embodiment, self-love practices, um, into their kind of like busy daily lives? Because I know that that is something, you know, I, I think, that's probably the first, um, obstacle that people put up is like, but I'm so busy. Like, I don't have time to do that, you know? Um, and I'd love to know your thoughts on that and how you like help women overcome that, you know, sort of limiting belief that they put out there. So
1: the first thing you have to, that I always tell people is like, number one, you have to start your morning, your morning connected to you. Mm because it's so easy to wake up and grab your phone and pay attention to your kids and do this and do that. And the number one thing is I don't have time. I always tell people, try this practice when you don't have time is number one, wake up in the morning and be grateful for whatever it is. And I'm going to how I do it. And you just are totally welcome to borrow exactly how I do. It. But the first thing I do, as soon as I open my eyes, I say, good morning, Crystal. I love you. Mm-hmm. Good morning, God, because I just grew up with religion. So for me, it's good morning, sure. Crystal. I love you. Good morning, God. And then I say, today I'm grateful for, and I do three things that I'm grateful for today. I'm grateful for, um, son because, and then here's the, here's the kicker with that. You have to say why, because I can say, I'm grateful for the son. I'm grateful for my nephew. I'm grateful for food, but then I become a gratitude robot.
0: Right, Where you're just
1: grateful, 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 but challenge your mind with why. So for me was today, I'm grateful for the sun because I know there's so many humans right now who are in the snow and it's super cold. And yet I'm here in 65 degree weather thinking that I'm cold. So I'm really grateful for the sun. I'm also really grateful for my nieces and nephews because I know so many humans who have them miles and miles and miles away. And this weekend I had, I got to have them for three whole days and be present and create memories with them. I'm grateful for my dog. That was my morning. I was like, I'm grateful for my dog because this little dog of mine loves me unconditionally through whatever season of life I'm in. They will cuddle next to me. They want, they are, I'm the greatest human that they know. And I said, I'm grateful for my God, (laughs) for my dog. And then I say today, God, I have no idea where we're going, but I know you have a plan for me and I'm ready to crush Mm.
0: it. Mm.
1: And I've been doing that for the last a little. I started doing that in November of 2019. Okay. And I've never missed a day. And it's just become so. Before I do anything, and sometimes when we're in a rush, I literally say, "Good morning, God. Good morning, Chris. So I love you today. I'm grateful for this." And I'm like saying it as I'm doing the bed. As I'm being, yes. But I don't miss because I always yeah. have like to remind everybody: you start your morning with you being grateful for you, loving on yourself. The other thing that I tell people to do is raise the standard of what you expect in your life for yourself. So it's so funny because I walk around all the time saying like things work out for me all the time. Everything's always working out for me so much to where my nieces say it. My husband says it. Yeah. Like, I go to target and I'm like, I know there's going to be that. I'm not even worried about Cause that parking at the front of the store is going to be waiting for me right there. And then, and at first you feel like a little bit like a liar, not going to lie. Yes. But the more you practice it, your brain loves being right. Yeah. Your 100%. brain loves being right. So if you're like, hey, I'm going to get there. All the parkings are going to be taken up. That's it. You're going to get there and see the parkings taken up. And your brain's going to be like, I told you so. But if now the narrative changes to, hey, life's always working out for me. Of course, somebody's waiting for me to give up their parking when I get there. And somebody does it. Your brain automatically grabs that information. And I always tell people, raise the standard of your worthiness. Because I don't mm-hmm. believe. And again, being being growing up with God, I don't believe that God is up there saying, you're worthy, you not so much, you sometimes. Oh, how
0: no. Mm-mm. We're
1: all worthy. So I think you have to almost unapologetically own that worth and yes. raise the standard for what you expect from life and watch the universe just give back to you. But yeah. you have to understand that it's already yours. You just have to expect it rather than yeah. wish for it or hope for it. You know for a fact it's already yours.
0: Mm. There's two things you said. One- I want to highlight and then second one I, I would love for you to elaborate on. Yeah. First thing that I love that you said is like, you know, when you're talking to God, it's like I don't know what what we have going on today or whatever, but I know you have a plan for me. And I think that that is such an important thing I wanted to draw out on what you said because usually, right, I don't like to stereotype, but usually if we're a busy person, that means like we typically like to control stuff, right? Yeah. Because yeah. It's like, I need to get all of this done. So that means I have this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. I'm a control freak. I'm also the one that likes to be strong and I've got this. And something I'm learning right now in this very real moment in time over the last really six, seven months is like learning to let go of control and to trust that the plan, like the universe isn't going to lose my file. I'm not forgotten. Everything is working out for me. Like yeah. Even and and what's so powerful is oftentimes like the plan that I've tried to control, when I've learned to let go, what happens is so much freaking better than what yes. I ever could have planned. Yes. You know, like I I was like I couldn't even have dreamt this. This is so magical and amazing. But on the yeah. on the on the opposite side, you know, you might have, we might have some listeners thinking, well, and, and the reason I thought about this is I just started watching this show on HBO called Shrinking. It's a really cute little series, and the main character has lost his wife, and they show this scene where it's between him and his best friend, and his best friend is like this super positive guy. He's a very successful lawyer, and he walks around saying, "It always works out for me. It always works out for me. Yeah. It always works out for me," and the guy's like dude, I can't hang out with you anymore because can't it just be okay that I'm like sad that I lost my wife and that things like it didn't work out for me. So it pisses me off when you say that. Right. And so I would love, because I know that I get it a lot where I have clients coming in and even myself where maybe things aren't working out as I expected. And I feel like maybe I'm in a really hard season how do you deal with that and like getting your mindset to still stay and shift and like without the toxic positivity of like, everything's fine yeah. and amazing. What, how do you deal with that? So one of the things that I did is
1: I sat down before I started doing this practice of things will always work out for me Is I sat down and I made a list of all the things in my life that I once, I once was sad about. Mm. And I made a list. And I remember I went back to like 12 year old thinking like my little boyfriend back then who I was so in love with and didn't like me, but like my best friend, they ended up getting married or getting a relationship, got married, have kids. They're an amazing, like I lost track of them because I'm no longer best friends with them. You know, you grow up, but I see them on social media and I still see them connected. And I think to myself, it didn't work out for me because this person was for them. And they were meant to do something amazing together. When I was 15, I remember I was so in love with this guy and and where I come from, in my culture, everybody's pregnant by 15. Right, like, right, right, right. You know, right, it's, it's yeah. a thing. Everybody's a really young. So I remember being with this guy and he was five years older than me at the time. And I was 100% determined this was the guy I was going to marry. My mom was all for it. My mom was like, yeah, when you guys have little babies. And somehow along the lines, it didn't end up working out where this new guy got in the picture. And I remember it was something as silly as like, hey, this this guy's old enough to work. He can't even go to my school dances. Mm. I I want a boyfriend who I could be in high school with and it didn't work out for me. And I remember being so sad, but now I look back at my life and this little guy who entered my life to go to the school dances is the same guy I'm married to now. And (laughs) he has his company. I have my company and we live a life that's very different because we're both entrepreneurs and we're always like working on ourselves, but it's like, it didn't work out then because I was meant to find this guy. I think of teaching, like teaching. I, gave it my all and I wanted it and I could have never imagined that I would be hosting retreats with women and being on podcasts with other amazing women I could have never in a million years imagined this so it didn't work out for me because this is the route that I was supposed to be Mm. on Mm -hmm. so when I when I made this paper I made it to prove to my brain because again knowing that my brain loves to be right I wanted my brain to look at all the things that I once thought didn't work out for me that actually did And I, and I realized through that writing, I realized like, this is the route that I'm on, that I think this is my route. And when I fall and I go on this one, what if this route is rerouting me to the route that I'm actually supposed to be on versus where I keep thinking I'm supposed to be on. So that's kind of what I did with the whole, like, it, it works out for me. It works out for me. Yeah. And then. What I've realized through that, and and now when I'm allowing myself to have my bad days, because I still do, and the toxic positive positivity is so real, I have to ask myself, okay, what am I feeling in this moment right now?
0: Mm, mm-hmm.
1: and, and there's a process that I want to share with your audience that I think is so has changed my life forever is I always allow myself to say, okay, what am I what am I feeling right now? And I allow myself to identify the emotion, frustration, anger, okay. Then I asked myself this question, when was the first time I ever felt this? Mm. And I will journal on that. And I try to go back as early as I can remember. And I'll give you a very real example that happened. Me and my husband, his sister was going to come visit us. I had no idea she was coming. It caught me off guard. I was, the rooms weren't clean. And I'm I'm like, I need to wash the bed sheets. I need to have everything because that's how I grew up, right? So I find out she's coming. I don't know. I end up getting really upset where it causes big fight between us. Yeah. And I was in, I was in a drive and I asked myself, what am I feeling? And I felt, I felt disrespect. I felt disrespect. Like I was just disrespected and I was like, okay, when was the first time I felt this? And I journaled on this and I realized when I was a little kid my dad's sister would always come to our house. And every time mm. my dad's sister came, I was kicked out of my room and she was put in my room because I'm a little girl. You can sleep in the couch with a the blanket. They're a whole family. The narrative, here's the other part of that question is what narrative am I holding on in my yes. heart in my soul? The narrative yes. was my dad didn't love me. So of course my dad's going to kick me out to put a sister there. So the narrative that happened here that with my husband was, my husband doesn't love me. He cares more about his sister than he cares about me. So he's kicking me out of my house. That was the narrative that I was telling myself. Yes. Once you can ask yourself, what am I feeling? When was the first time I felt this? What's the narrative that's currently in my soul right now? And you ask yeah. yourself, is this true or not? Because when I came to realize that narrative, I was like, it wasn't true for my dad back then. That's just the way my dad learned to take care of his siblings. And I was just literally like an eight-year-old girl. I could fit in any, anywhere in the house. So it was yeah. easier to move me. And I, I sat down and I had this conversation with my husband. I said, hey, I want to share something with you. I said, when I was eight years old, my dad's sister would come over and we had that conversation. Ever since this happened, my husband will never invite anybody without letting me, hey, what do you think about this? And it changed our pers- it changed our relationship because it allowed him to get into my vulnerable world.
0: Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. He's
1: like, I didn't know that was your narrative. He's like, for me, I grew up with 20 people in my house. We all came in and out like it was in a big deal. Yes. He's like, but I didn't know this was your narrative. Once we were able to connect that, it changed forever. The way he asked me things, the way I connect to him. But people don't know what you don't tell them.
0: Right. Well, oftentimes we don't even know ourselves. Yeah. Right? Like if, if we don't ask, I love that you shared that sequence because it's a great point of reflection because oftentimes I always say it's not the thing that you're fighting over oh, or, no. that you, or that you feel icky about. Something has been brewing so much before this. That was just the breaking point. Yeah. But, but it's not that. Yeah. And it is so, so, so powerful to hear you break that down. And often more times than not. Yeah. It stems from when we were five, six, seven, ten 10 years old. Yeah. And it's something we've carried because we didn't have the tools to process it then. So we just, yeah. and it's what I heard something really powerful and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. But something that I thought was really interesting was I just read or heard on a podcast is when we don't heal the trauma from whatever age that we experience it. So in your case, you were eight. We when the situation or when we're triggered, we go right back to being eight years old. Our yes. brain, our brain only knows how to deal with it at that age. And that's yes. not that's not like some woo-woo stuff. That's like actual science. That's what's yeah. happening. Yeah. 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 So it's like you were fighting as your eight year old self. Yeah.
1: That's what which, I told them. Yeah, I said, you became felt, my dad. Yeah. yeah like, you became my dad. And I was an eight year old yelling at you. Like, I wish I would have yelled at him back then. Mm-hmm. I said, but I couldn't. So I took it out on you. And I told him everything in the books that I was feeling. And I was like, you and this. And I remember I didn't talk to him for almost three days.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's not that what the other person does makes, it's not that we're saying, oh yeah, that's okay. It's just understanding yourself and why are you reacting in this way, right? Because that's so important to understand who we are and, and so much of the work you're doing. And so I'm just, I loved this conversation today and I know we could probably go on and on and on and on and, (laughs) um, and it's just been really enlightening and powerful. And I hope that women connect with you after listening as I, I know they will, but tell, women where they can find you, you have your podcast, Um, you're big on Instagram. So share all the deets. So I am on Instagram
1: at crystal. I have and I can share with you the links and all that, how it's spelled, but I'm on Instagram pretty much every day. That's where I jam out. Um, I also have my own podcast too, called soul radio, where we have just deeper conversations, what people don't talk about, like the soul stuff that we were were, um, discussing on there. Um, I have my, my website, which I'll share with you as well, but my main platforms where you can find me are, are on Instagram and the podcast. Amazing. And
0: that will all be in the show notes for, um, for those of you listening that want to just click and have it easy to hop over, but girl, thank you so much for your time, your energy. I am grateful for you. And, you know, I feel like we need a part two of this sometime to continue this great conversation.
1: Well, thank you for having me. And anytime you want I am more than happy to be on here for you.
0: Bye, girl. Thank you for listening to The Beam Life. I'd be so honored if you would take a sec to leave a review. Ready to take the next step and join the sisterhood? The Beam Life community is a place where you can just take off the mask, feel seen, and form authentic connections with other like-minded, kick-ass women. We do not do surface-level shit in that group, babe. Click on the link in the show notes or head to the Beam Life Create Your Dream Life community on Facebook. I can't wait to see you there.